Act Two of The Skin Game by John Galsworthy. This is a LibriVox recording. All LibriVox recordings are in the public domain. For more information or to volunteer, please visit LibriVox.org. The Skin Game, Act Two, Scene One. A billiard room in a provincial hotel where things are bought and sold. The scene is set well forward and is not very broad. It represents the auctioneer's end of the room, having, rather to stage left, a narrow table with two chairs facing the audience, where the auctioneer will sit and stand. The table, which is set forward to the footlights, is littered with green-covered particulars of sale. The audience are, in effect, public and bidders. There is a door on the left, level with the table. Along the back wall, behind the table, are two raised benches with two steps up to them, such as billiard rooms often have, divided by a door in the middle of a wall, which is panelled in oak. Late September sunlight is coming from a skylight not visible onto these seats. The stage is empty when the curtain goes up, but Dorcas and Mrs. Hillcrist are just entering through the door at the back. Be out of their way, ma'am. Seat Hornblower with Charlie. He points down to the audience. It begins at three, doesn't it? They won't be over-punctual. There's only the sentry selling. There's young Mrs. Hornblower and the other boy. Pointing. Over at the entrance. I've got that chap I told you of downtown. Ah, make sure quite of her, Docker. Any mistake would be fatal. Docker nodding. That's right, ma'am. A lot of people. Always spare time to watch an auction. Ever remark that? The Duke's agent's here. Shouldn't be surprising if he chipped in. Where did you leave my husband? With Miss Jill in the courtyard. He's coming to you. In case I miss him, tell him that when I reach his limit to blow his nose if he wants me to go on. When he blows it a second time, I'll stop for good. Hope we shan't get to that. Old Hornblower doesn't throw his money away. What limit did you settle? Six thousand. That's a fearful price. Well, good luck to you, Darker. Good luck, ma'am. I'll go and see to the little master of Mrs. Chloe. Never fear, we'll do the miss somehow. He winks, lays his finger on the side of his nose, and goes out at the door. Mrs. Hillcrist mounts the two steps, sits down right of the door, and puts up a pair of long-handled glasses. Through the door behind her come Chloe and Rolf. She makes a sign for him to go, and shuts the door. Chloe, at the foot of the steps in the gangway, with a slightly common accent. Mrs. Hillcrist? Mrs. H., not quite starting. I beg your pardon? Chloe, again. Mrs. Hillcrist? Well? I never did you any harm. Did I ever say you did? No, but you act as if I had. I'm not aware that I've acted at all, as yet. You are nothing to me, except as one of your family. "'Tisn't I that wants to spoil your home. "'Stop them, then. "'I see your husband down there with his father. "'I—I I have tried.' "'Mrs. H., looking at her. "'Oh, I suppose such men don't pay attention to what women ask them.' "'Chloe, with a flash of spirit. "'I'm fond of my husband. "'I—' "'Mrs. H., looking at her steadily. "'I don't quite know why you spoke to me.' "'Chloe, with a sort of pathetic sullenness.' I only thought perhaps you'd like to treat me as a human being. Really, if you don't mind, I should like to be left alone just now. Chloe, 
unhappily acquiescent certainly i'll go to the other end she moves to the left mounts the steps and sits down rolf looking in through the door and seeing where she is joins her mrs hillcrist resettles herself a little further in on the right rolf bending over to chloe after a glance at mrs hillcrist are you all right it's awfully hot she fans herself with the particulars of sale <sighs> there's docker i hate that chap where down there see he points down to the stage right of the room chloe drawing back in her seat with a little gasp oh rolf not noticing who's that next to him looking up here i don't know she has raised her auction programme suddenly and sits fanning herself carefully screening her face rolf looking at her don't you feel well shall i get you some water he gets up at her nod as he reaches the door hillcrist and jill come in hillcrist passes him abstractedly with a nod and sits down beside his wife jill to rolf come to see us turned out rolf emphatically no i'm looking after chloe she's not well rolf goes out jill glances at chloe then at her parents talking in low voices and sits down next to her father who makes room for her can docker see you there jack hillcrist nods don't you feel basely all round the backs of your legs dodo yes do you mother no i'm not gonna fall home by sports pass while we were in the yard is a gnomon don't be foolish jill look at the old brute dodo hold my hand make sure you've got a handkerchief jack i can't go beyond the six thousand i shall have to raise every penny on mortgage as it is the estate simply won't stand more amy he feels in his breast pocket and pulls up the edge of his handkerchief oh look there's miss mullins at the back just come in isn't she a spider old chip come to gloat really i think her not accepting your offer is disgusting her impartiality is all humbug can't blame her for getting what she can it's human nature Whew. i used to feel like this before viva voce who's that next to docker what's a fish mrs h to herself ah yes her eyes slide round at chloe sitting motionless and rather sunk in her seat slowly fanning herself with the particulars of the sale hillcrist taking the salts thank god for a human touch mrs h taken aback oh jill with a quick look at her mother snatching the salts i will she goes over to chloe with the salts chloe looking up startled oh no thanks i'm all right no you you must chloe takes them do you mind letting me see that minute she takes the particulars of the sale and studies it but chloe has buried the lower part of her face in her hand in the smelling salts bottle chloe her dark eyes wandering and uneasy rolf's getting me some water why'd you stay you didn't want to come did you chloe shakes her head she hands back the particulars and slides over to her seat passing rolf in the gangway with her chin well up Mrs. Hillcrist, who has watched Chloe and Jill and Dorker, and his friend, makes an inquiring movement with her hand, but gets a disappointing answer. 
What's the time, Dado? Hillcrist, looking at his watch. Three minutes past. Jill, sighing. Oh, hell. Jill! Shh! The auctioneer comes in left and goes to the table. He is a square, short, brown-faced, common-looking man, with clipped grey hair fitting him like a cap, and a clipped grey moustache. His lids come down over his quick eyes till he can see you very sharply, and you can hardly see that he can see you. He can break into a smile at any moment which has no connection with him, as it were. By a certain hurt look, however, when bidding is slow, he discloses that he is not merely an auctioneer, but has in him elements of the human being. He can wink with anyone, and is dressed in a snug brown suit with a perfectly unbuttoned waistcoat, a low turned-down collar, and small black-and-white sailor knot tie. While he is settling his papers, the Hillcrists settle themselves tensely. Chloe has drunk her water and leaned back again with the smelling salts to her nose. Rolf leans forward in the seat beside her, looking sideways at Jill. A solicitor with a grey beard has joined the auctioneer at his table. Auctioneer tapping the table. Sorry to disappoint you, gentlemen, but I've only one property to offer you today. Number one, the sentry deep water. The second on the particulars has been withdrawn. The third, that's Bidcot, desirable freehold mansion and farmlands in the parish of Kenway. We shall have to deal with next week. I shall be happy to sell it to you then, without reservation. He looks again through the particulars in his hand, giving the audience time to readjust themselves to his statements. Now, gentlemen, as I say, I've only the one property to sell. Freehold number one. All that very desirable corn and stock-rearing and park-like residential land, known as the Sentry Deep Water. Unique property, an A1 chance to an A1 audience. With his smile. Ought to make the price of the three we thought we had. Now you won't mind listening to the conditions of the sale. Mr. Blinkert'll read em. They won't weary you. They're very short. He sits down and gives two little taps on the table. The solicitor rises and reads the conditions of sale in a voice which no one practically can hear. Just as he begins to read these conditions of sale, Charles Hornblower enters at back. He stands a moment, glancing round at the hillcrest, and twirling his moustache, then moves along to his wife and touches her. Chloe, aren't you well? In the start which she gives, her face is fully revealed to the audience. Come along, out of the way of these people. He jerks his head towards the hillcrests. Chloe gives a swift look down to the stage right of the audience. No, I'm all right. It's hotter there. Charles to Rolf. Well, look after her. I must go back. Rolf nods. Charles slides back to the door with a glance at the Hillcrists, of whom Mrs. Hillcrist has been watching like a lynx. He goes out just as the solicitor, finishing, sits down. Auctioneer, rising and tapping. 
"'Now, gentlemen, it's not often a piece of land like this comes into the market. "'What's that?' "'To a friend in front of him. "'No better land in deep water, that's right, Mr. Spicer. "'I know the village well, and a charming place it is. "'Perfect locality, to be sure. "'Now I don't want to weary you by singing the praises of this property. "'There it is.' well watered nicely timbered no reservation of the timber gentlemen no tenancy to hold you up free to do what you'd like with it to-morrow you've got a jewel of a site there too perfect position for a house it lies between the dukes and squire hillcrists an emerald isle with his smile no allusion to ireland gentlemen perfect peace in the century nothing like it in the county a gentleman's sight and you don't get that offered you every day he looks down towards hornblower stage left carries the mineral rights and as you know perhaps there's the very valuable deep water clay there what am i to start it at can i say three thousand well anything you like to give me i'm sought particular come now you've got more time than me i expect Two hundred acres of first-rate grazing and cornland, with a site for a residence unequalled in the county. And all the possibilities. Well, what shall I say? Bid from Spicer. Two thousand. With his smile. That won't hurt you, Mr. Spicer. Why, it's worth that to overlook the Duke. For two thousand. Bid from Hornblower, stage left. And five, thank you, sir, two thousand five hundred bid. To a friend just below him. Come, Mr. Sandy, don't scratch your head over it. Bid from Dorker, stage right. And five, three thousand bid for this desirable property. Why, you'd think it wasn't desirable. Come along, gentlemen, a little spirit. A slight pause. Why can't I see the bids, Jodo? The last was Dorker's. For three thousand. A bid from the centre. Three thousand five hundred. May I say four? No, I'm not particular. I'll take hundreds. Three thousand six hundred bid. And seven. Three thousand seven hundred and... He pauses, quartering the audience. Who was that, Jodo? Hornblower. It's the Duke in the centre. Come, gentlemen, don't keep me all day. Four thousand, may I say? Thank you. We're beginning. And one? A bid from the centre. Four thousand one hundred. Four thousand two hundred. May I have yours, sir? To Dorker. And three. Four thousand three hundred bid. No such sight in the county, gentlemen. I'm going to sell this land for what it's worth. You can't bid too much for me. He smiles. Four thousand five hundred bid. Bid from the centre and six and seven and eight nine may i say but the centre has dried up and nine five thousand five thousand bid that's better there's some spirit in it for five thousand he pauses while he speaks to the solicitor it's a duel now now gentlemen i'm not going to give this property away five thousand bid and one and two and three five thousand three hundred bid and five did you say sir five thousand five hundred bid he looks at his particulars 
enemy, Dodo. This chance may never come again. How you'll regret it if you don't get it, as the poet says. May I say five thousand six hundred, sir? Five thousand six hundred bid. And seven. And eight. For five thousand eight hundred pounds, we're getting on, but we haven't got the value yet. A slight pause while he wipes his brow at the success of his own efforts. Us, Dodo? Five thousand eight hundred bid. For five thousand eight hundred, come along, gentlemen, come along. We're not beaten. Thank you, sir. Five thousand nine hundred. And six thousand. Six thousand bid. Six thousand bid. For six thousand. The sentry, most desirable spot in the county, going for the low price of six thousand. Hillcrist muttering. Low heavens. Any advance on six thousand? Come, gentlemen, we haven't dried up. A little spirit. Six thousand for six thousand? For six thousand pounds? Very well, I'm selling. For six thousand once? He taps. For six thousand twice? He taps. Jill, low. Uh, if got it. And one, sir? Six thousand one hundred bid. The solicitor touches his arm and says something to which the auctioneer responds with a nod. Blow your nose, Jack. Hillcrist blows his nose. For six thousand one hundred. And two, thank you. And three. For six thousand three hundred. And four. For six thousand four hundred pounds. This coveted property. For six thousand four hundred pounds. Why, it's giving it away, gentlemen. A pause. Giving? Six thousand four hundred bid. And five. And six. And seven. And eight. A pause, during which, through the door left, someone beckons to the solicitor, who rises and confers. Hillcrist muttering. I've done it, if that doesn't get it. For six thousand eight hundred. For six thousand eight hundred once. He taps. Twice. He taps. For the last time, this dominating sight. And nine. Thank you for six thousand nine hundred. Hillcrist has taken out his handkerchief. Oh, Dodo. Mrs. H. quivering. Don't give in. Seven thousand, may I say. Seven thousand. Mrs. H. whispers. Keep it down. Don't show him. For seven thousand, going for seven thousand, once. Taps. Twice. Taps. And one, thank you, sir. Hillcrist blows his nose. Jill, with a choke, leans back in her seat, and folds her arms tightly on her chest. Mrs. Hillcrist passes her handkerchief over her lips, sitting perfectly still. Hillcrist, too, is motionless. The auctioneer has paused and is talking to the solicitor who has returned to his seat. Oh, Jack! Stick it, Dodo, stick it! Now, gentlemen, I have a bid of 7,100 for this entry, and I am instructed to sell, if I can't get more. It's a fair price, but not a big price. To his friend, Mr. Spicer. A thumpin' price? With his smile. Well, you're a judge of thumpin', I admit. Now who'll give me 7,200? 
what no one well i can't make you gentlemen for seven thousand one hundred once taps twice taps jill utters a little groan hillcrist suddenly in a queer voice two auctioneer turning with surprise and looking up to receive hillcrist's nod thank you sir and two seven thousand two hundred he screws himself round so as to command both hillcrist and hornblower may i have yours sir and three and four seven thousand four hundred for seven thousand four hundred five six for seven thousand six hundred a pause well gentlemen this is better but a record property should fetch a record price the possibilities are enormous eight thousand did you say sir eight thousand going for eight thousand pounds and one and two and three and four and five for eight thousand five hundred a wonderful property for eight thousand five hundred he wipes his brow jill whispering oh dodo that's enough jack we must stop some time for eight thousand five hundred once taps twice taps six hundred seven may i have yours sir eight nine thousand mrs hillcrist looks at him biting her lips but he is quite absorbed nine thousand for this astounding property why the duke would pay that if he realized he'd be overlooked now sir to hornblower no response just a little raise on that no response for nine thousand the sentry deep water for nine thousand once taps twice taps jill under her breath ours a voice from far back in the centre and five hundreds auctioneer surprised and throwing out his arms towards the voice and five hundred for nine thousand five hundred may i have yours sir he looks at hornblower no response the solicitor speaks to him mrs h whispering it must be the duke again hillcrist passing his hand over his brow that stopped him anyway auctioneer looking at hillcrist for nine thousand five hundred hillcrist shakes his head once more the sentry deep water for nine thousand five hundred once taps twice taps he pauses and looks again at hornblower and hillcrist for the last time at nine thousand five hundred taps with a look towards the bidder mr smalley well with great satisfaction that's that no more to-day gentlemen the auctioneer and solicitor busy themselves the room begins to empty smalley smalley is that the duke's agent jack hillcrist coming out of a sort of coma after the excitement he has been going through what what oh dodo how splendidly you struck it Whew, what a squeak I was clean out of my depth. A mercy the Duke chipped in again. Mrs. H. looking at Rolf and Chloe, who are standing up as if about to go. Take care, they can hear you. Find darker, Jack. Below, the auctioneer and solicitor take up their papers and move out left. Hillcrist stretches himself, standing up as if to throw off the strain, 
The door behind is opened, and Hornblower appears. You ran me up a pretty price. You bid very pluckily, Hillcrist. But you didn't quite get me measure. Oh, it was my nine thousand the Duke capped. Thank God the sentry's gone to a gentleman. A duke? Oh. He laughs. <laughs> no, the sentry's not gone to a gentleman, not to a fool. It's gone to me. What? Oh, I'm sorry for you. You're not fit to manage these things. Well, it's a monstrous price and I've had to pay it because of your obstinacy. I shan't forget that when I come to build. Do you mean to say that bid was for you? Of course I do. I told you, I was a bad man to be up against. Perhaps you'll believe me now. A dastardly trick. Hornblower with venom. What did you call it? A skin game? Remember, we're playing a skin game, Hillcrist. Hillcrist, clenching his fists. If we were younger men. <laughs> Twouldn't look pretty for us to be at fisticuffs. We'll leave the fight into the young ones. He glances at Rolf and Jill, suddenly throwing out his finger at Rolf. No making up to that young woman. I've watched ye. And as for you, Missy, you leave my boy alone. Jill, with suppressed passion. Jojo, may I spit in his eye or something? Sit down. Jill sits down. He stands between her and Hornblower. Make your mind easy, it can't. I've got you in a noose and I'm going to hang you. Mrs. H. suddenly. Mr. Hornblower, as you fight foul, so shall we. Amy. Mrs. H. paying no attention. And it will not be foul play towards you and yours. You are outside the pale. That's just where I am, outside your pale all round ye. You're not long for deep water, mum. Make your dispositions to go, you'll be out in six months, I prophesy. Now good riddance to the neighbourhood. They are all down on the level now. Chloe suddenly coming closer to Mrs. Hillcrist. Here are your salts, thank you. Father, can't you... Hornblower, surprised. Can't I what? Can't you come to an arrangement? Just so, Mr. Hornblower. Can't you? Hornblower, looking from one to the other. As we're speaking out, Mum, it's your behaviour to my daughter-in-law, who's as good as you are, and better to my thinking. That's more than half the reason why I bought this property. You fair got my dander up. Now, it's no use to bandy words. It's very forgiven of you, Chloe, but come along. Quite seriously, Mr. Hornblower, you had better come to an arrangement. Mrs. Hillcrist, ladies should keep to their own business. I will. Amy, do leave it to us men. You, young man. He speaks to Rolf. Do you support your father's trick this afternoon? Jill looks round at Rolf, who tries to speak when Hornblower breaks in. My trick? And what do you call it to try and put my own son against me? Jill to Rolf. Well? I don't, but... Trick! Ya young cub, be quiet. Mr. Hillcrist had an agent bidden for him. I had an agent bid for me. Only his agent bid at the beginning and mine at the end. What's a trick in that? He laughs. Hopeless. We're in different worlds. I wish to God we were. Come, you Chloe, and you Ralph, you follow. In six months I'll have those chimneys up, and my lorry's running round ye. Mr. Hornblower, if you build... Hornblower, looking at Mrs. Hillcrist. You know, it's laughable. 
you made me pay nine thousand five hundred for a bit of land not worth four and you think i'm not to get back on ye i'm going on with as little consideration as if ye were a family of black beetles good afternoon father oh jojo he's obscene mr hornblower my compliments hornblower with a stare at hillcrist's half-smiling face takes chloe's arm and half drags her towards the door on the left but there in the opened doorway are standing dorker and a stranger they move just out of the way of the exit looking at chloe who sways and very nearly falls well chloe well, what's the matter i don't know i'm not well today she pulls herself together with a great effort mrs h who has exchanged a nod with dorker and the stranger mr hornblower you build at your peril i warn you hornblower turning round to speak you think yourself very cool and very smart but i doubt this is the first time you've been up against realities now i've been up against them all my life don't talk to me mum about peril and that sort of nonsense it makes no impression your husband called me pachydermatis i don't know greek and, and latin and all that but i've looked it out in the dictionary i find it means thick-skinned and i'm none the worse for that when i have to deal with folk like you good afternoon he draws chloe forward and they pass through the door followed quickly by rolf thank you dawker she moves up to dawker and the stranger left and they talk dodo it's awful well there's nothing for it now but to smile and pay up poor old home it shall be his wash-pot over the sentry will he cast his shoe by gad jill i could cry jill pointing look chloe's sitting down she nearly fainted just now it's something to do with dorker dodo and that man with him look at mother ask them dorker dorker comes to him followed by mrs hillcrist no mystery well what is it you'd better not ask i wish to know jill go out and wait for us nonsense mother it's not for a girl to hear bosh it's nothing worse than you get there anyway do you wish your daughter bosh i read the papers every day i was not so proud of my knowledge what is it what is it come over here dawker dawker goes to him right and speaks in a low voice exactly poor thing whatever it is poor thing what went before mother it's what's coming after that matters luckily how do you know this my friend here he points to the stranger was one of the agents it's shocking i'm sorry i heard it i told you not to ask your friend to come here dorker beckons and the stranger joins the group i remember her quite well her name was i don't want to know thank you i'm truly sorry i wouldn't wish the knowledge of that about his womenfolk to my worst enemy this mustn't be spoken of jill hugs his arm it will not be if mr hornblower is wise if he is not wise it must be spoken of i say no amy i won't have it it's a dirty weapon who touches pitch shall be defiled well what weapons does he use against us don't be quixotic for all we can tell they know it quite well already and if they don't they ought to anyway to know this is our salvation and we must use it jill sotto voce pitch dodo pitch the threat's enough j p chapel future member of the constituency 
Hillcrist a little more doubtfully. To use this piece of knowledge about a woman. It's repugnant. I, I won't do it. If you had a son tricked into marrying such a woman, would you wish to remain ignorant of it? Hillcrist struck. I don't know. I don't know. At least you'd like to be in a position to help him, if you thought it necessary. Well, that perhaps. Then you agree that Mr. Hornblower at least should be told. What he does with the knowledge is not our affair. Hillcrist, half to the stranger and half to Dorker. Do you realize that an imputation of that kind may be ground for a criminal libel action? Quite. But there's no shadow of doubt, not the faintest. You saw her just now? I did. Revolting again. No, I don't like it. Dorker has drawn the stranger a step or two away, and they talk together. Mrs. H. in a low voice. And the ruin of our home? You're betraying your father's, Jack. I can't bear bringing woman into it. We don't. If anyone brings her in, it will be Hornblower himself. We use her secret as a lever. I tell you quite plainly, I will only consent to holding my tongue about her, if you agree to Hornblower being told. It's a scandal to have a woman like that in the neighborhood. Mother means that, father. Jill, keep quiet. This is a very bitter position. I can't tell what to do. You must use this knowledge. You owe it to me. To us all. You'll see that when you've thought it over. Jill, softly. Pitch, Dodo, pitch. Mrs. H, furiously. Jill, be quiet. I was brought up never to hurt a woman. I can't do it, Amy. I can't do it. I should never feel like a gentleman again. Mrs. H, coldly. Oh, very well. What do you mean by that? I shall use the knowledge in my own way. Hillcrist, staring at her. You would, against my wishes? I consider it my duty. If I agree to Hornblower being told. That's all I want. He means humbug, mother. I don't know what you mean by humbug. It must stop at Hornblower. Do you quite understand? Quite. Will it stop? Jill, if you can't keep your impertinence to yourself. Jill, come with me. He turns towards door back. I'm sorry, mother. Only this is Kimgang, isn't it? You pride yourself on plain speech, Jill. I pride myself on plain thought. You will thank me afterwards that I can see realities. I know we are better people than these hornblowers. Here we are going to stay, and they are not. Jill, looking at her with a sort of unwilling admiration. Mother, you're wonderful. Jill! Coming, Jodo. She turns and runs to the door. They go out. Mrs. Hillcrist, with a long sigh, draws herself up, fine and proud. Darker? He comes to her. Dorker, nodding. We're going to wire for his partner. I'll bring him too. Can't make too sure. She goes firmly up the steps and out. Dorker to the stranger, with a wink. The squire is squeamish. Too much of a gentleman. But he doesn't count. The grey mare's all right. You wire to Henry. I'm off to our solicitors. We'll make that old rhinoceros sell us back the sentry at a decent price. These hornblowers... Laying his finger on his nose... We got em. Curtain. Scene 2. Chloe's boudoir at half-past seven the same evening. A pretty room. No pictures on the walls, but two mirrors. A screen and a luxurious couch on the fireplace side, stage left. A door, rather right of centre-back, opening inwards. 
A French window, right forward. A writing table, right back. Electric light burning. Chloe, in a tea gown, is standing by the forward end of the sofa, very still and very pale. Her lips are parted, and her large eyes stare straight before them, as if seeing ghosts. The door is opened noiselessly, and a woman's face is seen. It peers at Chloe, vanishes, and the door is closed. Chloe raises her hands, covers her eyes with them, drops them with a quick gesture, and looks round her. A knock. With a swift movement she slides onto the sofa, and lies prostrate with eyes closed. Chloe, feebly. Come in. Her maid enters. A trim, contained figure of uncertain years in a black dress, with the face which was peering in. Yes, Anna. Aren't you going to dinner, ma'am? Chloe, with closed eyes. No. Will you take anything here, ma'am? I'd like a biscuit and a glass of champagne. The maid, who is standing between sofa and door, smiles. Chloe, with a swift look, catches the smile. Why do you smile? Was I, ma'am? You know you were. Fiercely. Are you paid to smile at me? Anna, immovable. No, ma'am. Would you like some eau de cologne on your forehead? Yes. No. What's the good? Clasping her forehead. My headache won't go. To keep lying down's the best thing for it. I have been hours. Anna, with the smile. Yes, ma'am. Chloe, gathering herself up on the sofa. Anna, why do you do it? Do what, ma'am? Spy on me. I... I never... I... To spy. You're a fool, too. What is there to spy on? Nothing, ma'am. Of course, if you're not satisfied with me, I must give notice. Only, if I were spying, I should expect to have notice given me. I've been accustomed to ladies who wouldn't stand such a thing for a minute. Well, you'll take a month's wages and go tomorrow, and that's all now. Anna inclines her head and goes out. Chloe, with a sort of moan, turns over and buries her face in the cushion. Chloe, sitting up. If only I could see that man. If only. Or darker. She springs up and goes to the door, but hesitates and comes back to the head of the sofa, as Rolf comes in. During this scene the door is again opened stealthily, an inch or two. How's the head? Beastly, thanks. I'm not going in to dinner. Is there anything I can do for you? No, dear boy. Suddenly looking at him. You don't want this quarrel with the Hillcrest to go on, do you, Rolf? No, I hate it. Well, I think I might be able to stop it. Will you slip around to Dockers? It's not five minutes. And ask him to come and see me. Father and Charlie wouldn't. I know, but if he comes to the window here while you're at dinner, I'll let him in and out, and nobody know. Rolf, astonished. Yes, but what I mean, how? Don't ask me. It's worth a shot, that's all. Looking at her wristwatch. To this window at eight o'clock exactly. First long window on the terrace, tell him. It's nothing Charlie would mind, if there's a real chance. Chloe, going to the window and opening it. This way, Rolf. If you don't come back, I shall know he's coming. Put your watch to mine. 
looking at his watch. It's a minute fast, see? Look here, Chloe. Don't wait. Go on. She almost pushes him out through the window, closes it after him, draws the curtains again, stands a minute thinking hard, goes to the bell and rings it. Then, crossing to the writing table, right back, she takes out a chemist's prescription. Anna comes in. I don't want that champagne. Take this to the chemist and get him to make up some of these cachets quick, and bring them back yourself. Yes, ma'am. But you have some. They're too old. I've taken two. The strength's out of them. Quick, please. I can't stand this head. Anna, taking the prescription with her smile. Yes, ma'am. It'll take some time. You don't want me? No, I want the cachets. Anna goes out. Chloe looks at her wristwatch, goes to the writing table, which is old-fashioned with a secret drawer, looks round her, dives at the secret drawer, takes out a roll of notes and a tissue-paper parcel. She counts the notes, slips them into her breast, and unwraps the little parcel. It contains pearls. She slips them, too, into her dress, looks round startled, replaces the drawer, and regains her place on the sofa, lying prostrate as the door opens, and Hornblower comes in. She does not open her eyes, and he stands looking at her a moment before speaking. Hornblower almost softly. How are you feeling, Chloe? Awful head. Can you attend a moment? I've had a note from that woman. Chloe sits up. Hornblower reading. I have something of the utmost importance to tell you in regard to your daughter-in-law. I shall be waiting to see you at eleven o'clock tomorrow morning. The matter is so utterly vital to the happiness of all your family that I cannot imagine you will fail to come. Now, what's the meaning of it? Is it sheer impudence or, or lunacy or what? I don't know. Hornblower, not unkindly. Chloe, if there's anything, you'd better tell me. Four warrants for armed. There's nothing unless it's... With a quick look at him. Unless it's that my father was a... a bankrupt. <laughs> my dear man, been that. You never told us much about your family. I wasn't very proud of him. Well, you're not responsible for your father. If that's all, it's a relief. A bit of snobs. I'll remember it in the account I've got with them. Father, don't say anything to Charlie. It'll only worry him for nothing. Oh, no, no, I'll not. If I went bankrupt, it'd upset Charlie. No, I've no doubt. He laughs, looking at her shrewdly. <laughs> There's nothing else before I answer her. Chloe shakes her head. You're sure? Chloe, with an effort. She may invent things, of course. Hornblower, lost in his feud feeling. Ah, but there's such a thing as the laws of slander. If they play pranks, I'll have them up for it. Chloe, timidly. Couldn't you stop this quarrel, father? You said it's on my account, but I don't want to know them. And they do love their old home. I like the girl. You don't really need to build just there, do you? Couldn't you stop it? Do. Stop it? Now I've bought? I know. The snobs defied me, and I'm going to show them. 
I hate the lot of them, and I hate that little docker worst of all. He's only their agent. He's a part of the whole dog in the manger system that stands in my way. You're a woman, and you don't understand these things. You wouldn't believe the struggle I've had to make my money and get my position. These county folk talk soft, sodder, but to get any from them is like getting butter out of a dog's mouth. If they could drive me out of here by fair means or foul, would they hesitate a moment? <laughs> Not they. See what they've made me pay. Now look at this letter. Selfish, mean lot of hypocrites. But they didn't begin the quarrel. Not openly, but underneath they did. That's their way. They began it by thwarting me here and there and everywhere, just because I've come into my own a bit later than they did. I gave them their chance, and they wouldn't take it. Well, I'll show them what a man like me can do when he sets his mind to it. I'll not leave much skin on them. In the intensity of his feeling, he has lost sight of her face, alive with a sort of agony of doubt, whether to plead with him further or what to do. Then, with a swift glance at her wristwatch, she falls back on the sofa and closes her eyes. It'll give me a power of enjoyment seeing me chimneys go up in front of their windies. <laughs> what a bonny thought. A last bit of mine. <laughs> he got that roused up, I believe. He, he never would have stopped. Looking at her. I, I forgot your head. Well, well, you'll be best trying quiet. The gong sounds. Shall we send you something in from dinner? No. I'll try to sleep. Please tell them I don't want to be disturbed. All right. I'll just answer this note. He sits down at her writing table. Chloe starts up from the sofa feverishly, looking at her watch, at the window, at her watch, then softly crosses to the window and opens it. Hornblower, finishing. Listen. Hello. Where are you? Chloe, at the window. It's so hot. Here's what I've said. Madam, you can tell me nothing of my daughter-in-law which can affect the happiness of my family. I regard your note as an impertinence, and I shall not be with you at eleven o'clock tomorrow morning. Yours truly. Chloe, with a suffering movement of her head. Oh, well. The gong is touched a second time. Hornblower, crossing to the door. Lie you down and get asleep. I'll tell them not to disturb you. And I hope you'll be all right tomorrow. Good night, Chloe. Good night. He goes out. After a feverish turn or two, Chloe returns to the open window and waits there, half-screened by the curtains. The door is opened inch by inch, and Anna's head appears round. Seeing where Chloe is, she slips in and passes behind the screen left. Suddenly Chloe backs in from the window. Chloe in a low voice. Come in. She darts to the door and locks it. Dorker has come in through the window and stands regarding her with a half-smile. Well, young woman, what do you want of me? In the presence of this man of her own class, there comes a distinct change in Chloe's voice and manner. A sort of frank commonness, adapted to the man she is dealing with. But she keeps her voice low. You're making a mistake, you know. Dorker, with a broad grin. No, I've got a memory for faces. I say you are. Dorker, turning to go. If that's all, you needn't have troubled me to come. No, don't go. 
with a faint smile. You are playing a game with me. Aren't you ashamed? What harm have I done you? Do you call this cricket? No, my girl. Business. Chloe, bitterly. What have I to do with this quarrel? I couldn't help their falling out. That's misfortune. Chloe, clasping her hands. You're a cruel fellow if you can spoil a woman's life who never did you an ounce of harm. So they don't know about you. That's right. Now luckier, I serve my employer. But I'm flesh and blood too, and I always give as good as I get. I hate this family of yours. There's no name too bad for him to call me last month, and no looks too black to give me. I tell you frankly, I hate. There's good in them, same as in you. Dorker with a grin. There's no good hornblower, but there's a dead hornblower. But, but I'm not one. You'll be the mother of some, I shouldn't wonder. Chloe stretching out her hand pathetically. Oh, leave me alone, do. I'm happy here. Be a sport. Be a sport. Dorker disconcerted for a second. You can't get at me, so don't try it on. I had such a bad time in old days. Dorker shakes his head. His grin has disappeared, and his face is like wood. Chloe, panting. Oh, do. You might. You've been fond of some woman, I suppose. Think of her. Dorker, decisively. I won't do, Mrs. Chloe. You're a pawn in the game, and I'm going to use you. Chloe, despairingly. What is it to you? With a sudden touch of the tigress. Look here. Don't make an enemy of me. I haven't dragged through hell for nothing. Women like me can bite, I tell you. That's better. I'd rather have a woman threaten than whine any day. Threaten away. You'll let em know you met me on the promenade the other day. Of course, you'll let em know, won't you? Or that. Be quiet. Oh, be quiet. Taking from her bosom the notes and the pearls. Look, there's my life savings. There's all I've got. The pearls'll fetch nearly a thousand. Holding it up to him. Take it. And drop me out, won't you? Won't you? Dorker, passing his tongue over his lips with a hard little laugh. You mistake your man, missus. I'm a plain dog, if you like, but I'm faithful, and I hold fast. Don't try those games on with me. Chloe, losing control. You're a beast. A beast, a cruel, cowardly beast. And how dare you bribe that woman here to spy on me? Oh, yes, you do. You know you do. If you drove me mad, you wouldn't care, you beast. Now, don't carry on. That won't help you. What do you call it? To dog a woman down like this just because you happen to have a quarrel with a man? Who made the quarrel? Not me, missus. You ought to know that in a row it's the weak and helpless, we won't say innocent, that gets it in the neck. That can't be helped. Chloe, regarding him intently. I hope your mother or your sister, if you've got any, may go through what I'm going through ever since you got on my track. I hope they'll know what fear means. I hope they'll love and find out that it's hanging by a thread. And, and, oh, you coward, you persecuting coward, call yourself a man. Dorker with his grin. Ah, you look quite pretty like that. By George, you're a handsome woman when you're roused. Chloe's passion fades out as quickly as it blazed up. She sinks down on the sofa shudders, looks here and there, and then for a moment up at him. Is there anything you'll take, not to spoil my life? Clasping her hands on her breast, under her breath. Me? 
Dorker, wiping his brow. By God, that's an offer. He recoils towards the window. You? You touched me there. Look here. I've got to use you, and I'm going to use you. But I'll do my best to let you down as easily as I can. No, I won't want anything you can give me. That is... He wipes his brow again. I'd like it, but I won't take it. Chloe buries her face in her hands. There, keep your pecker up. Don't cry. Good night. He goes through the window. Chloe springing up. Ugh, rat in a trap. Rat. She stands listening, flies to the door, unlocks it, and going back to the sofa lies down and closes her eyes. Charles comes in very quietly and stands over her, looking to see if she is asleep. She opens her eyes. Well, Chloe, had a sleep, old girl? Yes. Charles, sitting on the arm of the sofa and caressing her. Feel better, dear? Yes, better, Charlie. That's right. Would you like some soup? Chloe, with a shudder. No. I say, what gives you these heads? You've been very on and off all this last month. I don't know, except that, except that I'm going to have a child, Charlie. After all? By Jove! Sure? Chloe, nodding. Are you glad? Well, I suppose I am. The governor will be mighty pleased anyway. Don't tell him. Yet. All right. Bending over and drawing her to him. My poor girl. I'm so sorry you're seedy. Give us a kiss. Chloe puts up her face and kisses him passionately. I say, you're like fire. You're not feverish. Chloe with a laugh. It's a wonder if I'm not. Charlie, are you happy with me? What do you think? Chloe, leaning against him. You wouldn't easily believe things against me, would you? What? Uh, thinking of those Hillcrist? What the hell that woman means by her attitude towards you? When I saw her there today, I had all my work cut out. Not to go up and give her a bit of my mind. Chloe, watching him stealthily. It's not good for me. Now I'm like this. It's upsetting me, Charlie. Yes, and we won't forget. We'll make em pay for it. It's wretched in a little place like this. I say, must you go on spoiling their home? The woman cuts you and insults you. Oh, that's enough for me. Chloe, timidly. Let her. I don't care. I can't bear feeling enemies about me, Charlie. I get nervous. I... My dear girl, what is it? He looks at her intently. I suppose it's being like this. Suddenly. But, Charlie, do stop it for my sake. Do. Do. Charles, patting her arm. Come, come. I say, Chloe, you're making mountains. See things in proportion. Father's paid nine thousand five hundred to get the better of those people. And you want him to chuck it away to save a woman who's insulted you. That's not sense. And it's not business. Have some pride. Chloe, breathless. I've got no pride, Charlie. I want to be quiet, that's all. Well, if the row gets on your nerves, I can take you to the sea. But you ought to enjoy a fight with people like that. Chloe, with calculated bitterness. 
No, it's nothing, of course, what I want. Hello, hello! You are on the jump. If you want me to be a good wife to you, make father stop it. Charles, standing up. Now look here, Chloe. What's behind this? Chloe, faintly. Behind? You're carrying on as if... as if you were really scared. We've got these people. We'll have them out of deep water in six months. It's absolute ruination to their beastly old house. We'll put the chimneys on the very edge, not three hundred yards off, and our smoke'll be drifting over them half the time. You won't have this confounded, stuck-up woman here much longer, and then we can really go ahead and take our proper place. So long as she's here, we shall never do that. We've only to drive her on now as fast as we can. Chloe, with a gesture. I see. Charles, again looking at her. If you go on like this, you know, I shall begin to think there's something you... Chloe, softly. Charlie. He comes to her. Love me. Charles, embracing her. There, old girl. I know women are funny at these times. You want a good night, that's all. You haven't finished dinner, have you? Go back, and I'll go to bed quite soon. Charlie, don't stop loving me. Stop? Not much. While he is again embracing her, Anna steals from behind the screen to the door, opens it noiselessly, and passes through, but it clicks as she shuts it, Chloe starting violently. Oh! He comes to her. What is it? What is it? You are nervy, my dear. Chloe, looking round with a little laugh. I don't know. Go on, Charlie. I'll be all right when this head's gone. Charles, stroking her forehead and looking at her doubtfully. You go to bed. I won't be late coming up. He turns and goes, blowing a kiss from the doorway. When he is gone, Chloe gets up and stands in precisely the attitude in which she stood at the beginning of the act, thinking and thinking. And the door is opened, and the face of the maid peers round at her. Curtain End of Act Two